Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Well, hello and welcome to Pre-Service, a podcast preparing you for worship at Silverdale Baptist Church. My name is Michael and I'm with my friend Kevin. Kevin, how you doing, man? I am fantastic, brother. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. But you know, as I think, as we're getting started, as I think about what we're doing here, I have started every episode of our podcast the exact same way. I like that. It's consistent. It is consistent. People can depend on it. They get used to it. I've gotten comfortable with it. I hope. Maybe. I hope it's okay. So if uh, if anybody wants to give us some feedback and Pavlovian us- Pavlovian <laughs> approach, so we'll do the same thing over and over, and that gets me into I'm it. I don't old, I'm an old dog. That's exactly right. I don't I'm learn new tricks dog. all that well. I don't think. Oh man, but we are in the Christmas season. We're it dealing is. with a Christmas series, and just we for us, we just came out of Thanksgiving, right? So yeah, yeah. So uh, we hope you're enjoying your holiday season. We know that it can be difficult for some people, and we don't take that lightly. Uh, so we appreciate that you're here with us, spending time. Um, one thing that we had been doing for a while is sharing with each other as we prepared for uh, messages, sermons here at church, or as we came out of them, we would share things that we found in the scripture, um, particularly the SOAP method that yes. Tony has talked about with reading the scriptures. So that's your S and O is making observations. That's a place where we quite often share a lot. Did you see this? What do you think about that? And so Michael thought, hey, what if we offer that to other people? Maybe it will help them as they get prepared for the upcoming sermons that week. So here we are. So here we are. This is week three of a Christmas series called What Child Is This? And we're exploring uh, what the Bible has to say about the birth of Jesus from the perspective outside of the Gospels. And so far, we have looked at Isaiah 9-6. We've looked at Revelation chapter 12, and today we're going to look at a passage in 1 John chapter 3. You know, Kevin, before we read this, um, you know, most often when I think about the Christmas story, uh, my mind will go to uh, Matthew or to go to yeah, Luke yeah. Uh, because they have written these, these narratives. Absolutely. And, uh, but Mark and John, they don't really seem to include they so seem much. quiet about, about, about the narrative, right? But as we've explored this series, mm-hmm. uh, we've come to learn and come to see that John has had a lot to say about the birth of Jesus. He's just maybe put not, it in the gospel. That's not the, in the gospel. That's yeah. the only thing, yeah. But he certainly had stuff to say in Revelation, right? He did. We talked about that in the last episode. And we're going to see today in 1 John chapter 3 that he has some more to say about that. Yeah, so, a little bit different from the Revelation passage. A little bit different. This one this one gets into that theological justification, the, the cause of why Jesus came at Christmas. You want to read it? Well, why Jesus came and we called it Christmas. And that why, means, that's yeah, right. That, that's it wasn't better. that Jesus said, huh, it's Christmas. It's Maybe Christmas. I should come. That was not how it was. <laughs> no, he said, he said, there are people who need me. I'm the only one for them and I am going. That's what he said. So yeah, yeah let's go ahead and read. So we're reading from 1 John chapter 3. Verses 3 through 10. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him 
keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So something we would encourage you to do as you're preparing for worship this weekend and, and hopefully reading through this passage in 1 John, we would encourage you to check it out, to read it in several different translations. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, I know that that's just a part of my practice when I'm studying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have my preference. We obviously both we read, ESV a lot. read ESV a lot in this podcast, but uh, in, my, in my personal study, I'll read from a variety of translations. And, and the reason I think that's particularly important in this passage is certain English translations can make this passage feel as if if you sin, then you're not a Christian. Yeah. The only way to be a Christian is to not sin. If you read it at face value, let me take a look at the, uh, the NIV. For example, it says in, in the NIV in verse four, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And so maybe at face value, when you read that, it's confusing. And you think, oh my gosh, but I do sin. Right. And then if, if that's what this truly means, what do we do with other passages? Uh, John himself wrote in 1 John chapter 1, 8. one yeah, verse 8, uh, it says, if we, sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, going on with verse 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as we read verse 8, it's clear that if we were to say we have no sin, we're not being truthful. No, absolutely. So how do you, how do you reconcile this passage uh, in 1 John chapter 3? Well, one thing that helps is getting away from just the strict English statements here and realizing that wasn't the way that John wrote this. He actually wrote it with a little more nuance. So early in 1 John 1, 8, he's certainly talking about if we say we have no sin, right? That's an absolute. If you say, I am absolutely without fault before God, that's incorrect, right? That we know theologically that that's a straightforward statement. But when we get over to 1 John 3, we have to realize there's a little bit different context. He's actually started to talk about some people who claim to be part of the church. They claim to be believers, but they were separating themselves from the believers. They weren't going to some of the, the gatherings. They weren't agreeing with some of the things because they rejected Jesus as God. They rejected his teachings. They rejected him. And they were seeking to turn back to a more legalistic relationship. And so at that point, what we have is John in 1 John 3 has been talking about them. So he uses 1 John chapter 2, what we consider 2. To him, it's a letter. Right? It's a letter. Yeah. It was a there letter. are no chapters and verses. Right. There's no later. chapters. When John's sitting down, he's not like, I'm writing 1 John 2 now. Right. He, he's writing. And the section we carve out as chapter 2 is where he talks about 
people being righteous and being believers based on the fact that Jesus is righteous uh, and they're believing in him as God. And then we get to three and he starts to bring in some of these secessionists. They wanted to secede from the church and drag believers away. And John's writing to the believers and he's trying to encourage them, don't fall into this sin. Mm -hmm. Don't believe that you can be righteous like God is righteous and not be righteous like Jesus is righteous. You have to give yourself fully to Jesus. He is God on earth. He is the one who tells us how we are to be living our lives. And so I think it's important to understand that when he writes this section in chapter three, he's talking about a continual lifestyle of sin, not one instance of sin. He's not saying, hey, if you ever sin, you can't be saved. If we never sinned, what would we need to be saved? We would still be in the same position as Adam and Eve, right? When they walked with God in the garden. And that's why in uh, first John, he, he tells us that if we confess our sins, Exactly. Knowing that we will sin, that Jesus will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so there's that initial coming to faith where we turn to Christ and we say, you know, I can't do this on my own. I can't live uh, uh, on my own. I need you to rescue me from my sin. And we confess our need for him for salvation. And we repent of those sins. And we repent. We turn away. repent to turn away from our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us. And at that point, that begins a, a beautiful relationship with us. And I think that's where we find the promises. Then once we've done what we see in 1 John 1, 8, once we have recognized, yes, I have sinned, and we confess it and we've been forgiven, then we get to the section in 1 John 3, yes. where, where he's talking about in verse 9, to go back to verse 9, no one born of God. Well, now you've been born of God. Now you're adopted into his family, Right after you've confessed your sins and repented of them, you've been adopted into your family. So no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, gives us the power to actually reject sin, to repent, to turn away and turn to God. Until that point, you know, we we don't have that power, right? That's right. But I think that's the difference. In 1 John 1, 8, we hadn't entered into that relationship mm-hmm. yet. Now we have, and we begin to see, I can live a life maybe not completely devoid of a sin because, brother, I don't know about you, but I still wrestle with sin. That's right. And so when we do fall into temptation, when we do sin, we confess those before the Lord, knowing that we are in relationship with the Lord, knowing yes. that He loves us, that He forgives us and that he accepts us much like, you know, when I, when I talk to uh, my children uh, several times over the years, I've had the blessing of talking to other children about salvation and baptism. And, and I, and I'll tell them that, you know, when you were born into your family or when you were adopted, if the child happened to be adopted and not biologically born into a family, you became the child of your parents. And so as you grow as a child, you're going to make mistakes, right? Absolutely. You're going to, you're going to disappoint I don't know about everybody. I do. Yeah. 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 And, and some of those are big and some of those are small. And so, but at no point do you stop being your parent's child. And the same with us, when we come back to confess our sins to Christ, it's not to reestablish that relationship with him. It's not that we've stopped being God's child. It's to restore, much as David said in the Psalms when we, when we studied that, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Yes. So when we look at this passage and we consider that Jesus came, he appeared in order to take away sin, 
wait a minute, are you telling me that's the purpose for Jesus coming? That's why he came. That's so this is John telling us about Christmas, about the birth of Christ, right? Yes. So that he could do away with sin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, so many people, they, they, they look at the Christmas story every year as just a, a story. Yeah. A story among stories. But and, it's and not, it is, a, it is but, but it's much, it's much so more. Much more, yeah. yeah. It's not just another cartoon or another card or another slogan uh, in a Christmas carol. No. It is the reason that he came to take away sin. Now, I don't want to go too far down that road because our pastors still need to preach this. And I, Absolutely. And I can't wait. And so, well, and I love that, too. I love that we can talk about certain things. And when it comes Saturday night or Sunday morning and you hear one of them preach with the authority of God, it always hits me differently. Yes. We, we, you and I can talk about this, all the observations, all the things that are applicable in my life. And then I hear them preach. Yes. And I, I feel, I sense, I recognize God at work in me, drawing out things and showing me things, Kevin, here's a place you need to surrender. And, yes. and I say, yes, Lord, that, that I understand. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you for empowering me to do that, Lord. And, and that is just a whole different thing. And I love that. I love that we get this time to share. So one thing we would encourage you to do today, tomorrow, the next few days, as you consider the Christmas season and the Christmas story, as you're reading this passage, to really think on what it means for Christ to have come and to, to have done so to take away your sin. And as you do that, that is going to go so far in preparing your heart for the gathered corporate worship this weekend, whatever service you choose to attend I love one more observation from me. Kevin makes more if you like as well. But one more observation from me is, as I look at verse 10, and as you're studying this passage, 10 seems like a great summary statement of what has been said, but also a transition into what is going to be said next about loving your brother. Yes. And so uh, by this, in, in, in that you're listening to this and driving, let me just read to you verse 10. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So there's that reflecting on everything that's been said, but then also talking about what does it mean to love your brother, which John continues. Yeah, chapter three. dives into yeah. it. And, and it's amazing that the Lord links those two together, right? You don't do righteousness or you don't love your brother. Yeah. Isn't that, that that's powerful. That's it's where so rich. we see so many times, you know, Paul, we see, talk about not gossiping and not backbiting and, and being in unity. John, he doesn't really dive into it yet at this point, but he compares the two and says, hey, as far as God is concerned, a lack of righteousness in your life or not loving your brother are the same. That's right. And that's just a powerful statement there. Yes. So we hope this has been a help for you as you're preparing for worship this coming weekend. Uh, read this slowly. Spend some time meditating on Christ coming to forgive and take away your sins. And Talk to the Lord, too. If, if you find yourself and you say, I'm not sure that I'm in the family of God. I'm not sure that I'm in that relationship. Go back to 1 John 1, 8 and 1, 9. Confess your sin. Repent. Turn away from it. Turn towards him. Go to him and say, Lord, I depend on you. I am desperately depending on you. I have no other source of salvation, then you can come back over to 1 John 3 and you can find that you are now in this place. But for those of you who, who are here already, uh, it's just a beautiful point that the Lord expects us 
to be living that lifestyle of righteousness and he empowers us and he indwells us so that we can do it. If you're new to Silverdale, we have services on Saturday night and throughout Sunday, different locations around the greater Chattanooga area. We would invite you to come and be a part of the services. Kevin, it's looking beautiful around here as the place is decorated for Christmas. It is. And and all of our campuses will be that way. Um, so, so check out our website, silverdalebc.com for times and locations. We also have two online services. I'd love to be a part of that with you as well. We're praying for you. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.